Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the leftist podcast dedicated to the reevaluation of all your favorite crappy films. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And um, we probably have the most proletarian of the proletarian contrarian movies that we're going to be reviewing today. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, uh, for uh, this week, we are riding the rails uh, with the, <laughs> the hobos and the roustabouts uh, in, the, uh, in the year of our Lord, uh, well, somewhere in the 30s, uh, during uh, the Great Depression. Yes. With, uh, with uh, our, probably the, um, the biggest name director that we've ever done, too. I mean... I feel confident in saying just like the straight up best. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll, I'll call it. <laughs> the best I'll call director it. that we will probably ever do on this podcast. Um, maybe we have one or two other films of his we could do that were poorly received, but I think this is um, definitely one of the ones that maybe people don't really know about. Um, so definitely, we'll, we'll definitely. get to it here in a minute, folks. Uh, <laughs> We'll stop teasing it. So uh, we are reviewing Boxcar Bertha from 1972, directed by Martin Scorsese, the God. Choo-choo, point of the station, point to uh, Scorsese station here. <laughs> um, yeah, this is his second feature film. Yeah, this is his second film after Who's That Knocking at My Door. Um, that film was more of like a festival circuit darling type film. It eventually did get released about two years after it uh, hit festivals and then he makes this film for Roger Corman who um, you know we've talked about endlessly on this podcast um, you know the the um, the king of exploitation cinema um, who produced and directed I mean basically every kind of exploitation film um, there is known to man um, and gave rise to like such names as Scorsese um uh, the Gremlins guy, what Joe, Joe Dante, Dante. Yep. Uh, uh, Coppola is another one. Uh, yep. James Cameron, um, yep. Brian De Palma did um, one of his first films for American International Pictures, which I believe is the same company that produced this film. Um, and Roger Corman was associated with them for you know a few decades, but he didn't specifically produce that brian de palma film but it's like you know one degree of kevin bacon you know like right. uh so right. but uh yeah so um this is loosely based on the book sister of the road by uh anarchist uh ben l reitman he is a fascinating person yeah like i i had no idea i i didn't even know this movie existed until <laughs> Lewis suggested it um but ben reitman he I think like, like his Wikipedia page says like he's best known as one of Emma Goldman's lovers. Yep. So like mm-hmm. King already. King. Um, he was an anarchist and he was known as the hobo doctor. Amazing. Which is, that's great. Yeah. He, he, he was Jesus. He, he was Jesus. He was Jesus. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he wrote Boxcar Bertha. Um, and the character is basically a composite of a bunch of different women that he knew from, I'm guessing like hobo poor woman woman that he knew at the time. Yeah, exactly. And I think basically every other character is as well, Um, you know. So uh, as the titular character, Boxcar Bertha, we have Barbara Hershey, 
Um, David Carradine plays the character of Big Bill Shelley. Um, <laughs> I think he's definitely a composite character. My understanding is uh, I don't think oh, someone yeah. named Big Bill Shelley existed. Um, yep. And then we have uh, Barry Primus, Bernie Casey, John Carradine, uh, David mm-hmm. Carradine's father, uh, mm-hmm. Harry Northup, uh, Victor Argo, and David Osterhout. Um, you know, pretty small cast. Um, this film was yeah. shot on a shoestring budget, uh, $600,000. I think 24 days of shooting, too. Um, Damn. Yeah. I mean, Corman was kind of the king of turnaround. Um, yep. One of the films that uh, I believe he directed, Bucket of Blood, um, that starred Dick Miller, uh, R.I.P., yep. was like shot on a weekend, uh, and uh, it's great. But yeah, he he was he was famous for um, some of the the, the quickest um, shooting schedules. Yeah, um, I think appropriately, um, this movie's shoestring budget very very much ties into the themes and the content. Um, yeah. I guess it gets kind of metatextual there. Um, like the idea that it, I don't want to say this movie feels like a student film because that, that's kind of a slight, um, even, even though it shouldn't be, but that, that that's that qualifiers come to kind of known be as a slight. Sure. Mm-hmm. But um, it feels like they, they do just like pick up their cameras and, and shoot wherever they can, um, which we have experience with actually. <laughs> we do. Um, but um, some of the scene, some of the, locations they get were just like clearly abandoned buildings or oh, clearly yeah. like mm. derelict buildings that they could use and, and fittingly so that that's good that's i i like to see that um that done in like in, in feature length films yeah i mean the fact that this movie like played in theaters um is pretty astounding of course you know for the time it's 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 pretty the par 70s, for the course yeah, yeah. but like if you think about just movie making now it's like something like this is just go direct to video on demand right it's, yeah, this this would this would not even be on Netflix. I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't know. It it was it was cool seeing like the. I mean, it, I don't I don't want to be kind of like Kino like film Twitter like <laughs> back in the seven new wave man. That's when it that's when that shit was good. But like, um, I don't know. It, it was it it was cool seeing a movie like this as opposed to some of the usual stuff that we watch for the show. Yeah, um, for sure. Which which is just like. God, mis- misbegotten, like, <laughs> should it not have been made, like, genre <laughs> stuff or something? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is, this is, uh, the, the pre-Cineplex world, right? You know, um, and unfortunately we live in the, in the post-Cineplex, meaning no more Cineplexes ever will exist ever again. We, we well, live in post-cinema yeah. world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the bad part, right? The post-cinema world that we live in is bad, but I guess the post-Cineplex world that we live in is fine, because fuck Cineplexes. <laughs> Yeah. Um but yeah, it's 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 wild that um films like these were just like shown in movie theaters and you can go and you can watch a bunch of them and like, you know, Roger Corman probably had his his, his hand uh in most of them uh during the time. Um and there were a ton of depression era exploitation films um it, well, films that were filmed in the 70s that were taken that took place in the depression era uh corman had made uh, one called uh bloody mama which was mm. based on uh ma baker the famous uh gangster uh who who kind of oversaw you know the the baker gang um all the robberies in in the the uh you know the kind of public enemy era of american history um and that kind of inspired him to uh search out 
you know, another story, which was Boxcar Bertha, actually, Roger Corman's wife um, found the book and thought it'd be a good movie for them to adapt. That's a really cool kind of like long circuitous path for the for the source material to come to be brought to the screen. That that I don't know. I like that. Like that Corman's wife found it, and then he was like, "Oh, this is good," and then it kind of passed on to Scorsese. Yeah, um, you know, it's 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 pretty wild, um, and the fact that this is considered kind of like a lesser Scorsese, I think, is also wild to me. That's that's, bu- that's bullshit. Um, I think people kind of um, have believe the narratives around this film um i first heard of this film um when i started you know becoming a a fan of scorsese when i was a teen and i had seen films like taxi driver and you know you read books about scorsese or just books about film and you always hear um this story about scorsese and his um you know his his uh, american new wave friends uh, watching this film and specifically john cassavetes who you know no shade towards john cassavetes i love john cassavetes um but he after he saw this movie in a, a screening with Scorsese and a bunch of other people, maybe Brian De Palma or Coppola, he went mm-hmm. up to Scorsese. Apparently, he hugged him and he said, Marty, you've just spent a whole year of your life making a piece of shit. It's a good picture, but you're better than the people who make this kind of movie. Don't get hooked into the exploitation market. Just try to do something different. Oh, man. Okay. Well, you know... Nobody bats a thousand. <laughs> Speaking of Cassavetes, not right, Scorsese right. here. Like, and it's crazy because like Cassavetes, okay. I mean, he probably came from a place, you know, I, well, he did come from a place of making these kind of films himself as an actor. He didn't direct yeah. any kind of films like this. So maybe he just was kind of dis- disillusioned with ex- the exploitation market. But still. Yeah, he was, in- like, he was, he was insecure. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was, <coming. laughs> he was like, the exploitation movies I made suck. This one's actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> or just like it hit too close to home. Yeah. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. how come this kid can do what I couldn't do, you know? Right. Um, um, he has one film that's called Machine Gun McCain, and no, it's not about John McCain. <laughs> it should be. We do have an Ebert quote here. Uh, I'll read Indeed it. Indeed we um, do. <laughs> as per usual. So I will say he likes this film, and I'm throwing him a bone. Good good boy. Good boy, Ebert. Um <laughs> Uh, he writes, Boxcar Bertha is a weirdly interesting movie and not really the sleazy exploitation film the ads promise. It finds its inspiration in the exploits of Boxcar Bertha Thompson, an outlaw folk hero who operated in Arkansas during the Depression. I am not sure whether she was called Boxcar because of the way she was built or because of where she liked to spend her evenings, but I can report that Barbara Hershey, who plays her in the movie, is built like the proverbial structure of brick. For that, we can be grateful. <laughs> What a horny, yes. just yes, objectively wrong motherfucker. He, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not body shaming women or anyone who's who who are bigger, but like, that that, that that's just objectively incorrect, right? Like Barbara Hershey, she's like thin and willowy. Yeah, no, I don't understand what he's I, saying. She's not. I don't like, get like. Yeah, she's at a brick house. I'm, I don't get it. I'm not making it. I'm not making a value judgment, but just she's like a waif. She's like nothing. Like. This guy wrote reviews. <laughs> he's just wrong. He, he, well, he and just he, missed... he wrote exploitation films too. You know, that's he got his start um, with um, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Right. Uh, right. He wrote for Russ Meyer. Um, you know, like so. I don't know. I think he he should have a better understanding of what like brick house means. But I I don't know. 
J- just for like a film critic of his stature like deserved or not like not to know that term and then to misapply it yeah <laughs> it, that's just like a, f- a fact check fail i don't, I don't yeah I don't, I don't it's it's just but it, it is amazing to see uh ebert is horny on mate for barbara Hershey. yeah oh god yeah yeah we, we get some nice we get some nice ass shots in this movie um of both Carradine and yeah. Hershey, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we do. Uh, Ebert goes on, unfortunately. <laughs> I have the notion that Roger Corman, American International's most successful producer of exploitation films, sent his actors and crew south with the hope of getting a nice, simple, sexy, violent movie for the summer trade. What he got is something else and something better. Director Martin Scorsese has gone for mood and atmosphere more than for action, and his violence is always blunt and unpleasant, never liberating and exhilarating as, the new, as new violence should be. We get the feeling that we're inhabiting the dark night of a soul. Um, He's somewhat wrong there. I, I, uh, I agree in the sense that like the the violence is never until the I, end. I don't know. Like he's he's yeah. yeah. Like, oh yeah, but that part fucking rips. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's wrong about that it's, scene, but he, I think he's right about most other violence in this film. Yeah, I don't want to say it's unpleasant. It's like it's uncomfortable and it's graphic, but that's what makes it good. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, you know, he wasn't one for words. Those are just, that's the best he could do. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Ebert, not, not, um, not one for words. I... <laughs> not a wordsmith. And before we actually get into the plot breakdown, I will say, just tying back, looping back into that um, metatextual comment I had earlier, um, David Carradine and John Carradine, son and father respectively, kind of playing like new would-be socialist America rising up in trying to struggle against like old money, older world America. Um, I think that resonates like through their characters. Um, and I also want to, want to mention this because of the way David Carradine died. May he rest in peace. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you guys uh, know about this? Yeah. With, with all due respect, with oh, all due respect course. to him. Of course. It sucks seems like a, Yeah. It seems like a decent guy. He yeah. seems like a, he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died in 2009. Um, while while engaging in a bout of autoerotic asphyxiation yep. <laughs> in, in, mm-hmm. in Bangkok. Yep. Uh, he was clearly there for sex work. Like, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Obviously. Had to be. Um, and the, the building that he, he died in was called, oh God, the, the Movenpick BDMS Wellness Resort Bangkok, <laughs> which it's a little uh, on the nose. A little but... on the nose, folks. <laughs> yeah, I had to look it up. Apparently... BDMS is like the largest private healthcare in Thailand, and for some reason they bought a resort. Um, when he actually died, it was called the Swiss Hotel Nylert Park Bangkok, and then it was bought out by these other guys. But still, yeah, they they renamed it in, in memory of him. Yeah, the the, BD, the BDSM <laughs> the BDS, hotel, the wellness resort. <laughs> Jesus, uh, rest rest there. in peace, Mr. Carradine. Yeah, uh, we love you. Again, yeah, yeah. no shade. We would never yeah. do that to you, David everyone everyone has their everyone has their peculiarities and their preferences we'll leave it at that yeah for sure um but uh yeah to get into boxcar bertha um right from the start it it feels very literary like um kind of we get this like maybe five minute long opening of bertha watching her father um fly uh is it like crop dusting or something yeah it's a a crop dusting plane Mm -hmm. yeah crop dusting biplane and um and like like this is where Scorsese really comes out. Like like we get these little like details, like a close up of Bertha like scratching her leg and right, and, um, harmonica playing and, and pounding spikes into a railroad. Um, and right from the start, we get that railroad connection. 
Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because at this point, so um, really not sure how old uh, Bertha is, but um, her yeah her father's in the biplane dusting crops. Um, his like mechanic for his biplane is uh, Vaughn, an African American yeah. man, um, and he's working on like a tractor. And like uh, Bertha's standing on the tractor watching her father dust crops, and then off to the side. Um, well, he he just and this is important because it comes in later. He's not working on a tractor; he's playing his harmonica. Oh, that's right. He's that's right. He's he, they're like they're both sitting on the, the tractor, yep. and he's playing the harmonica. Um, which at first it's it's kind of non-diegetic harmonica music and then it's obviously diegetic because we see him playing it it's one of the better versions of that i know in our episode on the girlfriend experience i was pissed off by that um but it was just because it was shitty in that movie but it's good here um and then there's a railroad track and on that there's uh some like you know chain gang guys working on it maybe they're not i don't know i'm not sure in this moment if they're chain gang they they seemed like not imprisoned they, yeah. they just there's there's just three of them and they weren't doing that's true especially the way they run off to help the biplane yeah so okay yeah chain gang happens later but uh david carradine and some other dudes are, are pounding spikes into the railroad tracks at this point most notably bill which is david carradine um, yeah mm-hmm. the character and he's he's just like checking bertha out and um like like when she scratches her legs her dress lifts up a little bit and he's like I and them. And then we get a split diopter shot too. Yes, we do get the split diopter shot. Um, and I think he's just checking her out, right? That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's in the background standing on top of the tractor as the plane flies overhead. And he turns around to address one of the other workers. Yeah. And we um, get the horniest split diopter shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, and then the man who I think owns uh, Bertha's father's biplane, or the crops or the or crops both. or something he, yeah. yeah he he just he shits on her father because like he's like oh you got to work harder you got to work faster you're you're a lazy drunken asshole whatever yeah i'm only gonna give you like 25 cents uh and i'm gonna go into town and get someone else to do this for me if you don't like go dust the other acre or whatever that i have yeah yeah something to that effect um essentially relevant to the plot Bertha's father isn't ready to go back out there, but her his employer forces him to. Yeah, um, and he he crashes and burn like he dies. Yeah, he just <laughs> in a kind of wonkily edited like sequence too. I'm I'm willing to overlook that just because oh, yeah. given the budget, they exactly. weren't going to be allowed to crash a biplane. No, <laughs> but yeah, um, he dies, uh, and yeah. Bertha's orphaned all of a sudden, he and dies. um, the, it, and she and, went, one of the best cuts actually um because i just uh you know maligned some of the cuts i have to say that the, the one of the best cuts in this film is as uh bertha is standing or you know kneeling over her dead father's body and crying we get a smash cut to the uh title card or actually first it says i think barbara hershey as and then next um is yep. boxcar bertha and it kind of looks like as if it was painted on with like a paintbrush like a, a large paintbrush that you'd paint like a, a you know like a, a wall with yeah like very of the time um for like the 30s it, it just has it, it looks like one of those paintings like that bugs bunny would do yeah yeah for like <laughs> rabbit season duck season or whatever. yeah um and then we get the we get this montage this opening credits montage of um just you know newspapers kind of spinning and saying oh great depression strikes and we see we see pictures of fdr like actual yep. 
mm-hmm. era appropriate pictures of FDR yeah. laborers. Um, Some ar- archival footage too, video footage from yeah. newsreels and stuff like that. Yeah, it it it, it definitely strikes the mood very well. Mm-hmm. And then we get one of my favorite things that you generally see at the end of movies. You don't see at the beginning during an opening credits montage, but when you see like the actor's name and then you like see the actor at the same time. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that. It's, it's kind of like these Irish shots of like the actor and then just the yeah. actor's name under it. And uh, they're all like having a good time too. I, or, I love that it's shit. Like, <laughs> it's like something from like the Brady, like not the Brady Bunch, like Gilligan's Island yeah. or something. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah. And then we get right into it because Bertha just jumps on a boxcar, her, right. her namesake, and she, mm. she takes off and she's kind of just wandering now because her father's dead. Um she has a really cool outfit on. All all of her outfits throughout the movie are great, I think. Yeah. But her 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 starting outfit is is my favorite. It's just like this long white dress with um a dark brown leather jacket over it. I think it's her dad's jacket too. Yeah, yeah, her dad's pallet yeah. jacket. It's mm-hmm. so simple, but like it it's very like the contrast between the colors and the material like fit her personality very well. Yeah, definitely. A lot of their very appropriate outfits throughout, like per character. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I. <laughs> Our worker of note is not costumer, but it should. We can we'll figure that one out later. But uh, we'll we'll add them. We'll add them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she, in kind of the plot, kind of just like kicks right off because she goes to find Bill. Yeah. Who we learn is a a red a Bolshevik yes, and, and, a, and a union a union spy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he basically just he kicks off a wildcat strike like right at the be- like right when we first meet him. Yeah, it's incredible. Yes. I knew I, I was gonna love this movie from yes. that moment when I first saw it. So this is this was my second time watching it. I, I actually am trying to watch all of Scorsese's films. I have about five more left. Um yeah. I, I, I I've watched this like late last year and um this is yeah, by far one of the best scenes in the film. Like he's just saying how the railroad the reader railroad um is is terrible they got to smash it because they're not paying them the fair wages and uh they have their their company gun thugs these guys called the the, the micavers um they they're kind of like pinkertons but they never specifically say they're pinkertons um just like these two portly gentlemen with shotguns and then they also have the cops on their side yeah the the micavers they kind of have like the bearing of like a a video game mini boss yeah like they keep they keep like showing up and like they they do one cool like one violent thing and then they kind of just like fade fade away yeah yeah um they they're kind of like uh what's the the big guy in the resident evil film uh games who just like walks towards you and then you have to fight him eventually oh um i never played resident evil one or two but like i, I know who you're talking about yeah he's um i think he's a number two yeah i only i only played four which is awesome but um, yeah He's that guy. So yeah, sure. okay. we're both <laughs> trying yeah. a reference here that we have no idea about. So, uh. um, but yeah, like he he just he just kicks off a wildcat strike, and they they start beating up the cops, and the cops start beating up them, the workers. Um, but then he sees Bertha, who had been standing in the crowd, and they they kind of run off together in, into a boxcar. Yeah. Um, and and then and then they fuck. They do. <laughs> just, yeah. They just they get fuck. down to it. Um, uh, first of many. Um sexual sequences in this film um and apparently it was uh unsimulated sex because at the time barbara hershey and david carradine were uh in fact a couple 
Um, they were together for quite some time, and yeah. uh, they both said um, individually in interviews that it, they were they were not faking it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It it it's it, it's kind of like that that saying like oh you can't really define pornography, but like you know it when you see it. But like th- this isn't pornographic. Mm, like like no. th- this one in particular, it, it it felt very real. I mean, obviously. But um, I don't know. It, it felt like very tender and in touching, and um, we it, it is I guess like exploitative in the sense that we see Barbara Hershey's naked body, but like it's it doesn't feel exploitative. It feels more like oh, that like two people who really wanted to do this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm giving this too much credit, but it <laughs> in 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 terms of sex scenes from a '70s movie, it it felt it felt like nice. I guess. Yeah, I think it's more sensitive um, than a lot for sure um barbara hershey might not agree with us um she did have this to say about the film um she said uh it was a lot of fun even though it's uh terribly crippled by roger corman and the violence and sex but between the actors and marty scorsese the director we had a lot of fun so uh, maybe not maybe she you know that's a a good uh, sign uh, indicator that maybe um she thinks that's okay um, well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just saying, like viewing it as a sequence in a piece of art, it felt it, it was like in, it was not enjoyable to watch. It was not cranking my hog like <laughs> David Carradine. Right. I was paying tribute to David Carradine. I was I was we choking myself watching this scene. Just, <laughs> just, just, li- just like literally and metaphorically, we, we too are horny on vain. <laughs> it was it was a well done scene, and it fit what it and it fit the sequence. Yeah. There we go. I think that's that's, that's accurate. Um, I, I I doth protest too much. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she wakes up. Um, the the boxcar um, pulls into a station. Um, he's gone. Uh, Big Bill Shelley, but she's left there. And 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 he left her money too. That's right. Yep. He left her money. Not so much like a hey, you're a prostitute. Just like hey, you need this to get by. Yeah, uh, I think that's an important distinction. Although, yeah. you know, this film, well, and we'll talk about it later, but it has very positive portrayal of sex work later on in the film. Oh, hell yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. Um, and this is where she gets to the kind of just hobo camp, um, which is another right. one of my favorite scenes in this film. I mean, they're all great. There's really no, like, bad scene in this movie, but no. this one's really fun. No. Yeah, she um, she sees people shooting dice, and she learns how to how to how to gamble basically yeah. mm-hmm. um she does well i don't know i don't know what I, game I, they're playing but i guess they're playing cra- craps or something I, I assume yeah there's dice involved two dice two die she she rolled two dice two dice is that how it is okay yes it's di- dice is the plural mm-hmm. of die yeah <laughs> uh but she yeah she rolls nine three four times in a row and she, she lets it ride so she has like luck she has gambler luck um and she beats out like this dandified looking man who, who's rather silent um, and he kind of storms off in a huff and then she goes after him um, and she's like, come on, you're not talking. Like, I, I'm sorry I beat you. Like, uh, don't, don't be a dick. Yeah. Like, just come on, come on. Um, she's like just making fun of his clothes. Yeah. She's like, are you deaf and dumb too? And he's just shaking his head. She's like, why are you doing that? Why are you just shaking your head like that? You look awful silly. I mean, she's just great throughout this movie, but I, I love, I love the yeah. scene. The, just the, like the acting in the scene, like the kind of like naive, naivete, and just kind of like the um like the the folksiness like i i have no yeah. idea where barbara hershey's from i i don't know i don't maybe this is is an accent she's putting on but i like she really sells it throughout this movie 
Yeah, and when when this guy finally responds, um, he has the most stereotypical New York accent yes. you can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and the guys they were just shooting dice with were like, "Hey, you carpetbagger, what the hell are you yeah. doing? <laughs> you damn Yankee!" And he's like, "Oh, great! Now they're gonna kick me out of this 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 camp." Yeah, um, and his name is Rake, which is just incredible. It's what what a great name for a character. It's very fitting. Uh, Barbara Barbara Hershey, uh, real name Barbara Hertzstein, uh, was born in Hollywood. Huh. Okay. Yep. So yeah, the, the southern Although, accent is an affectation. Her mother was from Arkansas. Okay. All right. So maybe not so much. Yeah. Her, her, her father was Jew. Her father was her father was Jewish. Her mother was from Arkansas. Huh. Yeah. And he was from California. Uh, it just says that. Her father's parents were um, emigrants from Hungary and Russia. Oh, okay. So maybe yeah, New so. York. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, no. So she she meets this guy Rake, and she is she's like, oh, I can teach you how to I can teach you how to speak the lingo. I can teach you how to blend right. in by pretending to be Southern gentlemen. Um, and they hook up, and so she's with Rake now. Um, Rake is definitely the fail oh, of for this sure. movie. Yeah, like, straight up. Well, we'll get into why <laughs> in a little bit. Um, but they essentially start just like hatching schemes immediately. Yeah, they they try to pull one over on. I think we learn later that he was a lawyer. Yeah, they say he's a lawyer, a crooked lawyer. Um, yeah. I think he's from New Orleans originally, and and this is where we uh, see uh, Rake's uh, fail son, uh, bona fides, Bumbling incompetence. Yeah, because he. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're from New Orleans because he's, you know, he's putting on uh, an accent and his name is, his last name is Brown. He's like, oh, yes, of the New Orleans Browns. And then the the lawyer's guy's like, oh, do you know um, my uh, my family from wherever? And he's like, oh, you know, that's a little too north for me. And the guy's like, well, no, that's that's south of. uh." (laughs) Well, he says, that's a little too north for me. I'm from Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, well, that's south of (laughs) New Orleans. Well, we lived in the north side of town, and we we were upside down. And then, and then, on the contrary, we see Bertha. She kind of steps in. She's like, "Hi, I'm Bertha." And then, and she like distracts the guy, so she has much more savvy than than Rake. Mm, Definitely, yeah. Um, And then they they uh, find out that Rake is cheating. Um, He's using different uh, color cards. Um, Seems like a pretty big oversight, but (laughs) I mean, Jesus. He he takes the deck beneath the table for half a second yeah. and pulls up the new deck, and the, and the backs of the backs of the cards are just red and blue. So like obviously, yeah. <laughs> like they're gonna notice. Um, oh my god! And then the lawyer accuses him of cheating, and he pulls a gun on him, and Rake just starts like whimpering and cowering yeah. instantly. He, he, he crumbles nothing. in a second. Yep. <laughs> uh, and Bertha's like jumping in the way and trying to like wrest the gun away, yeah. and she's like, "Don't shoot him! Don't shoot him!" Like you'll have to shoot me first like he he's from a he's from a noble family and i was like i don't care i don't care blah 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 it breaks just like oh my god <laughs> yeah and, and bertha does shoot uh and kill the lawyer with uh, a little derringer that we had seen in the previous uh scene that that rake had and then i guess he gave it to her uh i think she took it or she something. took it like from she, him yeah. yeah she put it yeah. yeah she put it in her dress mm-hmm. um they escape and they they jump into a box car again. Yep. And they they run into Bill. Yep. Again, and then a bunch of a bunch of bunch of workers, a bunch of union men. Yes. Very serendipitously, they they run in, uh, have run in with Big Bill Shelley, and immediately uh, Bertha goes to it goes right into his arms, and Rake's like, "Oh, can you believe this?" <laughs> 
instantly just <laughs> we gotta we gotta say it folks he was cucked yeah, instantly he was like the literal definition of it like <laughs> it happens in this movie and when he's standing there there's like i don't know like a dozen other just union guys just like kind of eyeing him yeah like with the amusement he's like oh i don't want to play a game of cards and no one answers he pulls up the deck of cards. He drops it. <laughs> the cards go everywhere. And they and he and he plays fifty two pickup by himself. Uh, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, and then she takes like what is it, the ace of hearts? Uh, yes. Bertha yes. takes the ace of hearts and like puts it in in Bill's pocket. And then Rick's yes. like, "Oh, I lost a card too." He's like, <laughs> "That's that's that's actually very crucial for the end." Yeah, that is that is crucial. Um, remember that card, folks. <laughs> yep. Uh, they plan to take the box car. I think they're going to like, I forget where they say they're going. Like, well, they like actually California. don't even know where they're going. Right. Cause like they get into the station and they're like, where is this right. Chicago? And the guy's like, no, right. it's Oklahoma. And they have no idea where they are. <laughs> right. But it, it's a trap by the, the police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, um, it's a trap to, to lock up vagrants. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the police storm the box car, uh, Bertha gets away, but, um, do they all get away in this moment? No, they, no get arrested. they get arrested. They, That's right. They they let Bertha out the back, and then they stay to be arrested, but also to slow the cops down from catching Bertha. Right, yes. So this is the point where they get arrested. They're in the county jail, and we meet up again with Vaughn, mm-hmm. um, the, the African-American man who worked with uh, Bertha's father on the biplane. And who was apparently friends with Bill already. I mean, they, they were in the same scene in the opening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they but they knew each other independent of that. Yeah, and they're um, they're very chummy in this scene. Like they're just shaking hands, and they're like, "Hey, it's good to see you again, man. Yeah, good to see you." And Rake is like, "I I'm I'm not with these guys. What, yeah, what's yeah. going on? Hey, I'm, what what do I gotta do to get my phone call or something?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then of course the almost stereotypically racist county sheriff yeah. comes in. Mm-hmm. Um. It's an exploitation I mean, not, film, so not, like it makes sense, right? I mean, like not not inaccurately, yeah. Yeah, and, and right, it's 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 true to real life. Um, like he, this guy, they they say the n word a lot um, in this scene, but again, like I don't know, it's probably true. I think that would happen. Let's be honest. Um, I I thought it was appropriate. I thought it fit the context and it it fit what was what was being portrayed for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they specifically target Bill to be beaten right as as like a display of force because he's friendly with the black prisoner right mm-hmm. yeah um, so the, the the like one of the sheriffs gets like a, a little uh you know blackjack out and he just starts mm-hmm. hitting him over the head with it uh and then they're the prisoners try to instigate some kind of um prison outbreak because yeah. like they're they like bill he's like their their union rep or leader or whatever um and they they start to fight back against the cops, but then those what were those mini boss guys called again? The Mikavers. The Mikavers, yeah. yeah. Mikaver one and two. I think like they're they're credited as first, first Mikaver and second Mikaver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like Batman villains from like a nineteen forties Batman yeah, yeah. strip. Definitely. Yeah. Um, they come in and they they just mow down. They they just blast away um, most of the prisoners except for Bill, Rake, and Vaughn. Yeah. Um, they're left alive, and then this is when they're on a chain gang. Yeah, um, and, and they're 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 in like the the prototypical like striped. Outfits. Yeah, yeah, it's great. The, the striped pajama look, um, just like in um, you know, um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Uh, yep, exactly yep. like that. 
I think like Vaughn is like singing a spiritual like yeah, while yeah. they work. They're all, they're like, all singing like, a spiritual. Um, they all have like gigantic like straw hats on as well. <laughs> which, if you're working outside, would be more appropriate than like just the prison cap. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a funny look though for all of them. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> especially Tammy Carradine. Uh, and there's yeah. in the next scene, I, I especially love a, a certain detail about it, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah. Because who should show up at this point but Bertha? But Bertha, uh, in a car uh, that we learned she stole, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. She takes, like, a like a screwdriver and all out of her purse, and she pokes a hole in the tire, and then she asks the sheriff um, to come over and help her out. She goes on to try to seduce him and, like, and draw him away from the line of sight of the chain gang. Right. Um, and she does, and, and he's like, oh, I'm going to get lucky, but then she holds a gun in his mouth yeah um, she's like open wide and he's she's like close yeah. your eyes open wide and she's like wider and then she puts a revolver in yeah, his mouth great. it was pretty awesome <laughs> um bill vaughn and rake uh knock him out from behind and they jump in the car and drive off with bertha yeah um after after switching the tire <laughs> yeah they switch the tire first they get in the car they drive away um and and rake He's a little paranoid because they're on like a state highway and he's like, we should get off the state highway. Let's go down that road. Um, And he was right because the like the the other sheriff, um, like the more super racist one, let's say the deputy sheriff, um, he's in a car and he starts chasing them. Um, And it's kind of just like a funny, quick chase scene. Like it's maybe like a minute long. Um, And he um, they're like by a ravine. Uh, a cliff overlooking a ravine and like the the, de- the deputy just like loses control and he dies yeah, just, <laughs> he, he doesn't die well i guess we don't see that we don't see his car his car he, just it's not a ravine his car goes into water yeah it goes like, into water right yeah he he wades out and he's just like god oh, yeah gosh, darn it. do we see or, him do that i don't remember okay well he we, we see him wading through the water okay okay so he doesn't die and then yeah no yeah they, they just escape um, I also like that Bertha brought them uh, buttermilk and chicken wings. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and um, in the scene when they're first driving and they're like arguing about where to go, um, the dialogue like was they were kind of speaking over each other at multiple points, mm-hmm. and the dialogue was very layered. But like you could still follow yeah. all of what they were saying. Um, yeah, and, and again, not to be too much like oh snubby film Twitter or whatever, but like. <laughs> You don't see that shit in like a in a Marvel movie. Like you don't see that in like a modern day blockbuster movie. Like everyone's lines are like spaced out very well. Right. And like people don't talk realistically, like over each other. They kind of like cut each other off. It it it, it lent it lent that scene like believability in, in the movie in, in, as a whole. Yeah. Believability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um that kind of interrupting like style of dialogue I think that we have now in in the mcu films and just kind of in a lot of stuff um it that harkens back to the influence of certain somebody that i mentioned in our last episode uh david mamet that is uh the kind of mamet speak that's what he does their characters kind of interrupt each other um and it's it's not so much like quippy but there's definitely snark involved um and it's like highly stylized um so david mamet strikes again folks (laughs) Mamet and, and the Sorkin yeah. Um, oh, yeah. affectation too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um but yeah, the they escape and then they hijack a train in a pretty fucking awesome manner. Yeah. Yep. 
uh, and like but that, unintentionally too right they're just like oh let's just rob this train like half <laughs> half intentionally yeah because they, they wanted the train to stop but they didn't know that they'd like get it right you know like, yeah so they just put the car on the tracks they're like oh the 510 should be coming through soon um <laughs> and uh like the train conductor somehow doesn't see it until it's like way too late like <laughs> i i i think he couldn't stop and yeah like by the, by the time he saw it, it like he tried to stop but it was too late to fully stop right i mean obviously they don't stop on a dime trains right um but it was also kind of comical like the way he's like oh shit <laughs> oh god <laughs> um the train slams into the car the car gets shoved out of the way but it also explodes, explodes. Yeah. yeah hell yeah <laughs> um and then they they kind of the the gang just ambles up to the car in the back the box car in the back and the guy the one of the porters opens the door he's like hey what happened and um everyone Bertha pulls a gun on him. Well, he says, Vaughn are we pulls getting a- robbed? And yeah. they're like, they, all pull, they all start pulling guns like, on him. I guess you are. <laughs> and this is when David Carradine has the, the straw hat on and like the strap that should be under his chin is like right above, like right below yeah. his lip actually. And he has like the dumbest like slack jaw look. And he's like, what, do you have anything for us to rob? Yep. <laughs> It's great. They'll they'll pull their guns out one by one. Like when they really like, oh, we're 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 implicit in this. Fuck it. Yeah, and they all have different kinds of guns too. Like I think Rake and Vaughn have Vaughn has a shotgun. Yeah, Vaughn has a shotgun. Rake and Bertha have revolvers, different types of revolvers. Yeah, and then um, Bill has kind of like a Colt nineteen eleven, more like semi-automatic looking handgun. Yeah, they they grabbed what they could, I guess, from the from the the car. Yeah, from the, from the cop. Yeah, the cop. Um, and then they just count out the money, and we get a funny scene oh, yeah. of, of of Rake describing to Bertha how to count out money, and she's like, "No, I want all of it." Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, you got to put the put the fifties together, put the twenties together, put the ones together. She's like, oh, "I I want all of them though." <laughs> she's yeah, she's like teaching her how to count or something. Yeah, and Vaughn is doing long divi- long division <laughs> on a piece <laughs> of paper. <laughs> He like does the the thing you learn in elementary school. Oh, I get. I guess not now with that yeah, common, common core, core. Illuminati bullshit. <laughs> but uh, the way the way we learned in yes. real America was like, you put the the dividend in the whatever the numeric. Yeah, fucking I math have no idea. Bullshit. You do math you, is fake. yeah, but it's, it's like a four because there's four of them, and then it's twelve thousand. And he's like, how many times does four go into twelve? <laughs> three. And he's like, oh, three thousand each. <laughs> in <laughs> all the while um bill's up front trying to get the train started um and they get it they get it running and they cut the boxcar loose and they're just like zooming down the tracks with their money and their guns and they're like yeah this is great yeah soundtrack blaring you know this yep. good old country music bluegrass music blaring they're all sla- slapping each other's backs just laughing having yeah a good time. It's, it's cool it's great it's yeah great. it's a fun time to rob a bank yeah um they get to the station, and the station master's like, hey, this is the first time that the 510's ever been on time. Yeah, in 40 years. And in the best line, David Carradine's reply is, first time is run by a union man. Hell and yeah. Soundtrack yeah. blares up again, and they, they saunter they on down the path. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of union men, um, Bill tries to give his share to the local union. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He goes to the local union hall. 
Yeah. And at this point, um, like it's in the paper that like they've they've robbed this train, um, and they know it's Big Bill Shelley, and they and they know everybody else's name. And it's actually funny when they're reading it. Rake is reading it. This is really funny. And Rake yeah, can like really barely funny. read, and uh, he gets to he's making fun of everybody else because like they call Bertha a whore and they call um big bill shelley a spy and he's like oh i didn't think he was a spy i thought they all wear glasses <laughs> and then they're like oh, they're like oh and then if they were with a negro as well and he looks over at Vaughn, he's like yeah i guess, I that's guess you. it's you <laughs> and then it's like and all they were also with like infamous coward rake <laughs> like <laughs> He's like, wait, that's not right. That's not right. He's like, uh, he's not dangerous because he ne- never carries a firearm. He's like, I'm carrying one right now. Yeah. And then, and then Big Bill Shelley's like, yeah, but you never use it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is important later on. Yeah. But um, yeah, so then after this, uh, Big Bill Shelley goes to the union hall and he wants to give his, his share to to the union because he's actually like somewhat conflicted about becoming like a bank robber throughout the movie he's yeah. like i'm just not cut out for this um but he also like doesn't like just being you know like a working schlub because you know you got to listen to the bosses um so like there's just some interesting dynamics going on there um but he gives the money to like i don't know like a union leader like um some kind of accountant or you know a, a pmc right. if you will yeah uh, yeah, yeah hell yeah he was <laughs> union pmc and the guy's like i don't want this money and he starts like he says the n-word and he's like oh these whores and and you're yeah, a communist so you're a bolshevik yeah, you're yeah. a bolshevik so it's interesting like you know, it, it it very it's I think it's pretty accurate. Like you know, union leadership and unions in general at, at one point or another, and probably still were fairly racist, misogynistic, and and fairly anti-communist. Um, and uh, DSA. <laughs> um, but you know, like some rank and file were awesome. Um, and rank and file is always better than you know, like union leadership. Um, it should be yeah. a, a bottom-up um, organization always. Yeah, kind of definitionally so. Like the 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 rank and file are like what make, give that give that power yeah um more so than like the centralized re- leadership yeah power to union um, folks um and then we get kind of like an extended montage it's like this the the extended second act which is just like various robberies they do yeah other trains um, banks yeah right yeah um very much Scorsese you can see like how this would be how later like later on in his work this is kind of a common thing he does right oh for sure like criminals living the high life and then the second act is like the 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 act the the second act is the only thing that like i don't know boston bros boston college bros who have the departed posters on their walls like this is what they remember and this right this is what yeah exactly like Like the the scene where like shipping up to boston plays right like that that kind of stuff yeah or just like all the scenes of violence that are kind of in in the the midsection of like goodfellas or something like that yeah exactly Um, exactly. which you know are given a certain weight because it's directed by someone like martin scorsese and in in lesser films they would you know most likely just be like kind of mindless montages um but i'm thinking like uh that that mobster movie we did oh mob um, mobster yeah mobster <laughs> <laughs> like like that 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 was the whole that was that the whole, whole movie. fucking just movie is just terrible long, montages yeah. yeah mindless fucking montages um but yeah there's some great parts in this like when they they rob like a, a dining car of a train and vaughn is dressed like a porter and he's just like yeah. give, he's just like taking money. He's like, oh, just be poor black man. Thank you, thank you. 
It's like, thank you. Thank you kindly. Just take some He's just taking like diamond bracelets from people and like gold watches and gold chains. <laughs> he has it like on a dinner platter. He's just like putting everything on a dinner platter. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we also find out they, they have kind of a hideout of sorts. Like it's like this shack and it's like it's like next to a pond or something. It's out like in the back country. Yeah. They first start off in kind of like this kind of like derelict industrial building and that's where he's reading the newspaper. It looks like a building I would have urban explored yes. as as a teenager <laughs> in Massachusetts. Fuck yes, it does. But the but then they um RIP Ninjalicious, the 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 uh, nom de plume of um, the Infiltration Explorer's Handbook Guide <laughs> that, that I ordered from the Infiltration website as a kid. I I, uh, I have read sections of that book, folk. It's, uh, it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. <laughs> it's completely unedited and just like thrown together. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's essentially a zine. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, the they they move they kind of move to this shack in the middle of the woods. Um, where they stash all their loot and they can hide in between heists. Yeah. Um, oh, there's also the church. They 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 hole up in a church for like one scene that maybe briefly, lasts thirty yeah. seconds, and there's like this giant mural of Jesus. Yeah. Scorsese, folks, yeah. and he's Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then they. This is where they plan to hit the the large high society kind of like party that they that they catch wind of yeah so john carradine's character of his an amazing name uh h buckram sartorius um he's kind of like the he's, railroad tycoon of the he's the reader monopoly Rail- man yeah he's he really is the monopoly, the monopoly man of the, of the reader railroad um and uh you know that's the, the beauty of john carradine is like he can do a character like this you know some high society you know railroad tycoon and then like the next you know role he can do is like he could be the hobo as well um mm-hmm. like he's just yeah. a very versatile actor um you know he's he's in a ton of westerns exploitation films like you know films that have won oscars like he really didn't it didn't seem like he 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 cared uh, well he did care he just cared about like the craft of filmmaking and acting um but he didn't think anything was like above him or, or beneath him um and that's how more actors should be honestly. yeah for sure um but yeah and so he he plays uh mr monopoly and um he's he's the micaverse is he's he hired the micaverse he is the boss to the micaverse mini boss yes exactly um but yeah that he it, it's his house that's hosting yeah. this um mm-hmm. this this high society party um they bluff their way in in a very funny scene yes <laughs> because um bertha and rake are pretending they, they like steal fancy clothes and they get dressed up and they're pretending to be like it, it, they pretended that they were invited to the party and vaughn is pretending to be like their, their servant um and they walk up to the the butler at the front he's like invitations please <laughs> and they're like they, they pretend to fumble they're like yeah. oh we don't have it we don't have it we don't have it oh uh, oh i i think our, our driver our manservant he has it and von's like oh yeah i got it right here he pulls out a gun yeah. he holds it in the, <laughs> he holds a shotgun in the face of um of this of the butler and the butler is just not even paying attention he's like oh well, please give it to me he's like oh yeah he's like that's not it yeah that, that, that's how the phrase goes he's like that's not it and then um, they're like, oh, yeah, look again. And he looks down at the gun. Yeah. He's like, yep, that's it. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it was legitimately very funny. Yeah. 
Um, and David Carradine gets in as well, and he's dressed up like a waiter, maitre d type. Um, Something, yeah. And then, yeah, they just they rob everybody. They tell them to go um, up against the wall, and they're gonna, they're taking all their stuff. And there was a nice little detail. Um, John Carradine, as they tell him to like get up against the wall, he like stops at the the, the table in the middle of the room, and he he picks up a martini. He like takes a sip quickly, and then he just like puts it back down and walks over to the wall. <laughs> Mm, um, maybe that was oh I, I was thinking of something else because Bertha also takes a sip she grabs someone's drink and takes a sip of it and gives it back to them yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which um, I believe was referenced in 2008's The Dark Knight when the Joker crashes the party <laughs> he grabs someone <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> that has given way too much respect to it, The Dark Knight well <laughs> I mean you know Heath Ledger deserves her respect I guess so let's just say yeah, Heath yeah, Ledger yeah. is a big Scorsese fan <laughs> yes Yes, yes, fuck yes. you Christopher Nolan though yeah fuck you Christopher Nolan uh <laughs> the only reason that movie was as big as it was was because of, of Heath Ledger oh yeah I believe. for sure um, um but yes, anyway they just take um, everything from everybody um yeah. like uh she takes a oh she has a feather I don't know even where she gets this feather from Bertha but like she's trying to put the feather in her hair and it doesn't it doesn't yeah. fit right so she like just yeah. steals a woman's tiara and the woman's like not my tiara <laughs> Yeah, she's like, she's like, oh, it's not that nice. Yeah, it's I'll not that nice. I have hands. better ones at home. <laughs> um, Sartorius and Bill, uh, they father and son in real life. Yeah. They have kind of a standoff, and Sartorius is like, I used to respect you. He's like, I hated, like, you were a Bolshevik, and I hated you, but like, I, I, I respected you despite that. But like now, you're just like a common thief, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that increase that that kind of like further hammers home that divide of like respectable work versus unrespectable work right um, in in the eyes of the ownership class mm-hmm. yeah exactly um and and really i would say big bill shelley's the only character who's a, at all conflicted with that i mean bertha i think at some point even just says like some to, to, the, to the notion of like robbing banks is like more respectable basically yeah no, uh, she, she's 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 already she's based she's already great yeah yeah she, she's already bread pilled um <laughs> I, I guess Rake, he has kind of like a moral personal con- like conflict, like because he wants to be tough, right. like Bill is, mm-hmm. um, and he's he's rankled by the idea that he actually is a coward, um, right? So so he he's conflicted, and, and like he he pretends to be like kind of like a a higher class like carpetbagger because like he wants to get back home north, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, his his conflict is definitely like personal in how he views himself. It's not yeah. like class-based or anything right he wants to be like he wants to be a chad but he is a virgin um yes yes but all the way yeah um and vaughn's just kind of along for the ride he's because i guess if you want to read a racial element into it like he knows that his prospects even in respectable society are are no better than they would be as an outlaw mm-hmm. so he, he he's just like fuck it like i'm i might like i might as well just do this yeah and I think with, you know, the scene we had talked about where he dresses up like a porter and starts rich, uh, robbing all the, the rich people, like, I think he also, like, takes a certain um, amount of pleasure in doing it as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Like, you yeah, know, just, totally. like, sticking it to rich white people. Just be like, yeah, fuck yeah, you. Like, like, how do you like, like being sar- robbed by me? Like, sarcastically adopting the affect of, like, a servile black servant. Right. But, like, as as a way to mock them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Like they all have their own motivations. They all have their insecurities, and and you know that's what Bar- Barbara Hershey said. Like this is actually kind of a character study, a character piece. 
but oh, yeah. you know people can't look past the sex and violence because people are stupid um now yes. uh, unfortunately barbara hershey kind of blamed roger corman uh, for that but i mean uh, it was sure. just the time like this movie if it was made during that period it was it was just going to have that you know sex and violence like honestly that's just these kind of movies and i mean you obviously want all part all people involved to like be comfortable and and, and have like be, be consenting to anything that you show but like showing sex and violence is is good it's not bad like yeah. it, if if it's done tastefully no like no fuck it even if it's not done tastefully but if it's done with like a point right mm-hmm and and there's and there's like legitimate artistic intent behind it like show whatever the hell you want and yeah i i think i mean with with respect to how barbara hershey felt about doing an unsimulated sex scene with her boyfriend on tape like i i think this movie handles it very well yeah i think so and i, I mean i even think the quote that she has she doesn't say anything specifically about like not wanting to do that so much as just um, right the, the, the sex and violence kind of masks um other elements of the film um, right I, I i think if she had been legitimately uncomfortable doing it or felt pressure she wouldn't have been as effusive in her praise for scorsese as she was right exactly um you know i don't know when that interviews from but um i sure. i tried looking other stuff up but i haven't seen her like you know disavow this film anytime recently so sure. um, i tagged her in twitter if she gets back to me I'll let you know. <laughs> Nice. I added her. Barbara Hershey, you're amazing. Hell um, yes. Uh, her politics seem fine. She just seems like a lib. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of inevitable when someone out of Hollywood at this point in time. Yeah. Um, I, I scrolled a little bit, like a few days worth of scrolling. Um, I didn't see anything like about Biden, so I felt good. Okay. <laughs> Miss Hershey, please don't talk about Biden. Just don't do it. <laughs> just don't, do not tweet about Biden. Just. Like, <laughs> We we let let us shit posters take care of this one. <laughs> um, what happens next? Oh yeah, then they they plan to hit um Mr. Monopoly again. Yeah, in his like train car, like his luxury train car. <laughs> right, right. Um, where he and does business do... and he has like a secretary who's like another like little like virgin dude. Uh, yes, yeah. Does this kind of looks like Nathan Robinson? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it, it with i mean the same damn clothes i guess yeah, but <laughs> yeah. we, we love you nathan but you dress yeah, funny um <laughs> yeah and, and and don't tweet about marks please um, just <laughs> stop just, just just work work on work on your magazine um uh then they they do bust in um but then of course kind of from outside cops bust in and the, and the mick of her yeah. bosses bust mm. in on them right uh, it, it was a setup yeah um and they're sent away to prison. Um, Bertha does get away. Yeah, because so they like unhooked the train car. They unhooked. It was actually like a. He's like one of the. What's the front of a train? I mean, like the caboose is the back. I don't know. The en- he's closer the to the engine. Yeah. So he's in a, a, a car closer to the engine. Um, and then uh, Bertha and the crew un- unlatch it um, right. from the rest of the train. Um and th- they think they're getting the drop on them, but it was all a trap. So Bertha is still in the kind of caboose section. Uh, so she gets away, but um, this is actually the end of rake, unfortunately. Yeah. Because, um, and that, this is actually set up pretty well because we get a lot of close-ups on the guns that Vaughn, Bill and rake are putting down and like the guns that are being held on them by right. the Nickabers. Mm-hmm. 
like we get individual close-up shots and um and then we get an individual close-up shot of the revolver that rick had put in the ground and then we barely see, put like, on the ground right like he's kind of still holding it as he's as he's putting it on the ground he really right. almost le- never lets go of it um right and he uh, says something like i not again you know he doesn't want to go to yeah, prison again not again and i'm not a coward and stuff so he tries to shoot the mickiverse but they bla- they obviously have the drop on him so they blast him yeah away. they blast him um yeah. and uh they i mean comically like he just like flies out the uh the open door oh, yeah. of, the, of the car <laughs> and hits the there's, railing there's straight up ragdoll physics in this yeah. movie <laughs> um and then and then bill's like oh i gotta help him i gotta help him and you know it's yeah. obvious this man's dead uh, <laughs> yeah um bertha does see rake because his dead body flew out the car the box car door um so she's distraught but she runs away and um she hides behind another passing train and one of the Mickavers tries to get her, but she's able to escape by jumping on that second train. Um, and then there was another small character moment that I really yes, liked. Like, with um, the Mickaver? Yeah, yeah, the Mickaver. He, when he sees the second train pulling away, he gets pissed off and there's a barrel, uh, an oil drum full of water next to him. And he's so pissed off, he just shoots the oil drum and blasts a huge hole in it and the water just is, is like gushing out. And... Um, because it's Arkansas and he was running around and it's hot. He just sticks his head beneath the water. Yeah. And then he gets up and he's like, oh, f- damn it. Yeah, it's fucking great. Like, it, it, it's such a small thing, but so, it's so good. And it's like the camera just like lingers on it, right? It's not like a thousand yeah. cuts. It's just like this dude just puts his head underwater because it's hot. <laughs> he's he's tired after he's wearing a full suit and it's, it's the, the summer yeah. in Arkansas and he was running after a train and he's pissed off. Yeah, of course yeah. it would happen. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. You know, for all the faults of the American New Wave, um, you know, um, era, I think like that it does that kind of stuff perfect where it's like these these characters, these individual characters, be it, you know, the A-listers, the B-listers, the C-listers, people on screen for a few minutes, like everybody gets to do something um, and gets yep. like, a, you know, a, a character beat uh, or a yep. personality. Um, and the Mickavers, even though they don't really say much or almost anything, um, like they really don't. They like they have those little moments that distinguish yeah. them. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just cool. Yeah, and and that's what I. It feels very literary, like yeah. little details that are built up, and even even in characters that you never see again, mm-hmm. um, like like the gamblers that teach Bertha how to shoot craps. Yeah, right? those guys are great. Like like one guy was like, oh, you should like stop now, but the other guy's like, no, no, let it ride, let yeah. it ride, keep going, let it like, ride. You'll, you'll you'll win it back, you'll win it back, and, yeah, uh, and she does, and it's like memorable. Like they they could have just been they could have been literally faceless, but they weren't. Right. I think they even like teach her what let it ride means. Like she's like, let it ride. What does that mean? He's like, just uh, keep keep going. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's good. Um. So yeah, Bertha's kind of down and out. Um. At this point. She, one of one of her friends is dead the other two are in prison scheduled to be executed um she i, I forget if it's if we're told what town she gets to but no. it's just like a small kind of like suburban suburban town yeah and what's interesting is it's a predominantly african-american town as well right right um, right or at least the portion that she is in is predominantly african-american and when we first cut to her being in town we look at a a monument to women of the confederacy oh that's right mm-hmm. and she's sitting beneath it just kind of like bummed out um but yeah and then she she kind of gets hoodwinked into being a prostitute yeah just 
which I, I, I could see that like attractive woman, like just being roped in by like a madam or, or pimp or whatever. Um, kind of, kind of like quasi like sexual slavery. Cause like there's, a, there's like this pressure and this right. intimidation mm. to stay, to stay in the house and to, um, and to, and to kick up some of your earnings to the owner. Um, but yeah, it just kind of happens. Yeah, it's weird. It's just like she's just, you know, bumbling about the the streets of this the, the small, you know, or the kind of the main street of this small town. Um, and this woman just comes up to her and she's like, oh, you look tired. Like, you want to come to this house? And then she gets in and like it's very clearly a brothel. Yeah. Um, yep. And then it's just kind of a montage of um, just wacky things that happen in a brothel. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> including probably the most entertaining character in the movie yeah. <laughs> this, this old dude he's just like drunk or, or high or whatever he's just, he's just like rambling on and on he's eating glass yeah he just starts eating glass <laughs> well well that's like a thing i've, I've specifically in like th- there's this book that there's this book i read one time that jack kerouac <laughs> and uh and <laughs> um god what's his fucking face um I know it's a big like sideshow attraction, like the idea of like eating glass or razors and stuff like that. Still is. I mean, not as popular anymore. But I I have a I have a period appropriate thing. Uh, Oh yeah, William S. Burroughs and Jack Kerouac wrote a novel together called "And the Hippos Were Boiled in Their Tanks." Gotcha. And like they they mentioned just like oh we were bored at a party so we just started we took champagne flutes and we just started chewing the glass and spinning it out. So it's like a. Was it made Par- of something different? Where like- I think I think it's just like a weird party trick thing to do when you're bored, kind of like it. it it's just like a behavioral affectation that I I have heard of before, and and I've read in period appropriate things. So, but like I very, mean, I don't know. In sideshows, those people kind of have trained to do that, and they know like how to do it properly so you don't like basically cut yourself and and then bleed out like how does this a random person just chomp on a champagne flute i i don't know i i i guess it's kind of like doing that like the knife trick game it's just like to show you're tough or sure. you're, you're not scared or whatever and it, you could potentially like cut your finger off but like it's a thing to do if you're if you're drunk enough and you're hanging out with prostitutes and, and so. in the great depression <laughs> But it's great. Like he's he's just like rambling on about something, and then they're like, "He's gonna do it. He's getting too drunk." And then he starts doing it, and they like start calling the madam. They're like, "Oh, he's Mister Whatever's doing it again." There's two forties of PBR next to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and there there are also two really beautiful uh, scenes in this uh, sequence. Um, in the brothel sequence. The first one is when Bertha is sitting at a rainy window and looking out through it, and the camera just lingers on her from outside. Yeah. Um, the contrasting light, the the blue light of the the twilight and the rain outside, and like the softly lit uh, lamps um, inside of her room. Right. Mm-hmm. And then with the the screen and the the rainy the wet window um, in front of her, it, it's it's very nice shot. Um, and also, there's another one where one of her clients um, gets out of bed and strokes her cheek, and the camera's behind the client looking at Bertha. Um, and while the client's stroking her cheek, his forearm is blocking most of her face. And I just really like that composition of the elements in the frame. Um, 
it's like this this small tender moment but like this like kind of monolithic black fabric of the client's arm because he's wearing a suit right it's just like almost completely obscuring her face and it just it's just it just really struck me um that's yeah particular i mean you know it's it's evident within the first you know two films of scorsese's oeuvre that uh he was a talent to be reckoned with you know i mean definitely people can try and dismiss this film um I really haven't heard too many people try and dismiss his first film. Um, who's that knocking at my door? But like, you know, the man comes out of nowhere, um, and just makes like banger after banger. Um, after this movie, he makes mean streets, um, which is the first time he works with Robert De Niro. Um, so it's just like, I, I don't know how you make these films. Um, like as, as you know, three in a row, just like, absolute masterpieces um yes i will say it folks this film's a masterpiece fuck you if you don't think it is um this this is like i don't know just like the pedigree of this movie and the actual piece itself like it, it's straight up like top three for movies that we've watched on the show like by oh yeah on. by yeah. far mm-hmm. by a country mile by a country. Would say. <laughs> um uh, okay, oh, yeah. And we see uh, a Scorsese cameo in this scene as well. Where? He's one of the Johns. I can't believe I missed that. I got to go back and watch it. Yeah, I he's the go John who's like, uh, I don't want to sleep alone tonight. Uh, yeah. Can I pay you $15? That was, that was him. Was that the guy? Yeah. Because he's, he's wearing him? the black suit. Yeah. Okay, well, well, I think that is a separate character from the one I was talking about because we see the the guy struck in her cheek walk out and he leaves okay uh, yeah i don't remember um was it was that him okay but, yeah Robert like Martin guy yeah brought yeah. the client uncredited mm-hmm. um i also like there's one scene it's it's pretty early in in the brothel montage where like she's taking her first john upstairs to a private room and like they open a random door and there's just like these two sex workers just standing there and like this one hippie looking guy like on the bed and he's like, Hey, come on, join us, honey. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that, so we get that brothel sequence. Um, while she's kind of out on her day off at one point, she hears harmonica playing Yes, as she, as she passes by a bar and she goes in and it's Vaughn. He's just like playing for tips or whatever at a, at a bar. Um, and crucially, this is where more of the racial politics come in because like th- this is a, a bar in the black part of town and all the patrons are black. Um, and they kind of like are looking at her like, like, why are you in here? Yeah. Why the fuck are you here? And why are you hugging this dude? How do you know? Yeah. Him? Like yeah. what? <laughs> um, and, and that that's I, I like that bit because it's it's like very much present because that kind of thing was inescapable at the time. I mean, it probably still is in a lot of places, um, but definitely for the time period, like that. I imagine I can only extrapolate. That's what the the racial the race relations were like. Um, but like, it's not. They don't call too much attention to it. It's just like part of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty subtle. Um, just basically the the segregation, even in this one small town of. You know, there's this predominantly African-American area where there's clearly shops that are owned by black people. Um, this is a bar that's, you know, um, black owned. And then there's, you know, this 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 brothel that it's all white people 
um, there's only white patrons in the brothel. There's only, you know, um, white sex workers. Um, so yeah, there's these, definitely these two different, um, spheres, uh, in, in this town. And uh, yeah, again, it's just, it's really subtle and it's just, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's Scorsese. Um, mm. he's not going to make a movie that's, you know, like very overtly, um, about any kind of racial politics, but, I think, you know, throughout his, his filmography, there's definitely these subtle hints, even in Mean Streets. Um, there's a scene where a Robert, you know, no, Harvey Cattell's character um, takes a black girl out to, um, they go to like a Chinese restaurant that's not in his neighborhood because he wouldn't want to bring a black girl to his neighborhood. Right. Because yeah. of how racist Italian Americans are. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's that kind of um, awareness that clearly elevates Scorsese above like to, to what he was. To, to, yeah. to what he became today, I right. guess, like, um, like, like having the having the historical and cultural awareness of of the trends of the time, um, and and, and we have quite quite the statement to say on that when we get to the end. Yes, uh, <laughs> do we ever? <laughs> um, but we'll get there, and we're almost there, um, because when Vaughn and, and Bertha reunite, um, he tells her that oh, Bill's escaped from prison. I can yeah. take you to him, mm-hmm. and he does. Yeah, uh, he's he, he's he infirmed. He's not doing well. He's he's uh, he's actually wearing glasses, which is funny because previously, uh, yes. Rake said only only spies wear glasses. Yeah, uh, so oh, now he's that, actually wearing glasses. Good catch. That's really good. <laughs> I like that. Um, and so Vaughn basically drops off Bertha at the shack and he leaves, uh, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and they reunite and it's really touching. And he, even though he's like scared of the law, like. She, he's like oh I, I we're together again like we can be happy and together um but not to be the case because the the police catch up to them at this point they they just storm the storm the shack yeah um and i think crucially it's it's the mickavers and what seems to be kind of like a cobbled together posse um i don't think right. it's any kind of like actual law enforcement um again i have no idea what the mickavers are besides hired guns i don't think they're pinkertons i think they are just like company gun thugs and they could just they're they're Pinkerton types for yeah, sure. For sure. I'm 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 I mean I I'm not I'm not as well read on like the history of American labor as you are, but like I can only imagine that like the Pinkertons were merely the most infamous of private cops, essentially. Oh yeah. I mean I'm 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 sure there were I, do, like I can't think of, of right other organizations. This moment, but I'm sure there were other ones. Yeah. I mean the Pinkertons are just the one who survived till now. I mean, yeah. you know, who are currently planning for the climate apocalypse and, and perhaps they're planning for the corona apocalypse as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they invented five G just to kill us all. Uh, <laughs> um But yeah, they they start beating the crap out of Bill. Um and there was one another another small touching, like great little detail. Um, Bill and Bertha, after they get the shit kicked out of them, they're lying on the ground together next to each other and and bertha reaches out to touch bill's leg right mm-hmm. she like she can barely like both of them can barely move but she reaches out and just like touches him and like it's in an awkward spot it's like his shin or something because yeah. like mm-hmm. that's all she can reach without moving too much but like very very perfect little character detail that i believe bertha would do in this moment right yeah um so they're they're beating up on bill and then we get like this smash cut to literally uh, yeah literally to it it's the camera is placed inside the box car it's a close-up yep. shot of one of the the wooden doors to the box car and mm-hmm. we hear a pounding noise um 
of a hammer hitting a spike and then we see the spike go through uh, the door and then we see uh, a hand uncurl um, because they are crucifying uh, Bill. Yep. They, they literally crucify Bill to the side of a boxcar um, and they, they nail uh, the Ace of Hearts that yep. he kept with him all this time above him. Um, like like the this is the King of the Jews above Jesus. Yep. Uh, Scorsese is Catholic, folks. <laughs> what can we say? <laughs> Motherfucker be Catholic. That it's great. Sure. It's, it's fucking great. Um, That's good. So, yeah, they, they crucify him. Um, they have Bertha tied up. The guy who's doing the crucifixion actually nailing the nails in to his hands and I assume his feet, but we don't. I don't think we see that. Um, they they don't they don't do his feet. I, I looked for it later on. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know if it was like a, a goof or like it, they just didn't bother. But like yeah. for whatever reason, yeah. it's, so it's just his hands. Um, the guy turns around. Um, he's he's very like Scandinavian looking man too. Like his, his you know short blonde hair, very burly dude. Um, kind of like um, uh, Busey-esque teeth. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like Gary Busey, actually. Um, he turns around and he stares like directly at the camera in horror. Um, amazing. Amazing. I, I'm not sure if it's a vertigo shot. I don't think it is, but the camera definitely no. moves towards him, at yeah, least. I, I think it's just a straight zoom. It's not like a yeah. vertigo thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he's blasted by a shotgun and he flies backwards and, and hits yep. the boxcar. Um, and then we get a shot of uh, Vaughn, who yep. has several shotguns at his feet, and Just like very meticulously laid out yeah. at his feet. <laughs> he, he prepared for this, and he <laughs> methodically picks off these Pinkerton fucks one by one. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, the blood, uh, you know, it's just it's it's this bright red blood. It looks like paint. Yep. Um, Great, I love it. It's just I love incredible. It. <laughs> I, it's my favorite type of fake blood. Um, yep. It's used in these films, the exploitation films of Corman, um, profusely. I mean, it's it just it it's very it's super vibrant. Um, yep. And uh, the camera work is crazy in this scene. Um, I don't know how they do it. I think yeah. the camera might even be attached to, I think it's one, one of the Mikovers. Um, he shoots one of the Mikovers and like he flies backwards and the camera tracks him as he flies backwards. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's attached to him as he flies backwards. Isn't that called tell. a Raimi cam or a Raimi shot? It's pretty when, similar like, to a Raimi cam because it is kind of like the, um, it's almost the point of view of like the projectile itself. Right. Um, but then it follows him as he hits the, like a shed. Um, yeah. And just like a, or a pile of logs or something. Yeah. Um, and he does that for at least one other character, but it's, it's, I would say it's more exaggerated with the Mick of one of the Mick Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like you said, you know, the mini bosses, they have to get, you know, these, these gruesome yeah. deaths. Um, and then the final Mick he gets like winged on the shoulder and then he's the last one still crawling. And so Vaughn kind of walks over and, and takes his time, but he, he just puts one right in his heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was so fucking satisfying. It's it was great. so great. Yeah. So that's why like when Ebert's like, oh, you know, it's not that kind of violence of, of new Hollywood. It's like, no, this violence is satisfying. Like in this scene alone, at least it's yes. very satisfying to see these things happen. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was great. Um, but yeah. And, and then, uh, Bertha hugs Vaughn and then goes over to try to free, to try to pull down uh, Bill. 
but uh the train starts starts rolling because yeah. you, you can't you can't stop the trains and you can't stop fate and you can't stop time and the train just picks up speed and even well even as bertha chases after it for a good like two minutes mm-hmm. yeah um it just it, it outpaces her and it pulls away yeah. and the camera the camera stays with bill's corpse um crucified to the side of the box car uh and then just cut to black yep yeah it's kind of an eagle eye shot um looking down um bill is in the like right third uh, of mm. the screen uh and then barbara hershey um boxcar bertha is running kind of in the in the middle third of the screen and then the other you know section of the screen is just kind of uh, the the ground as we see it this rushing past us um, yep. and she's trying to catch up and she kind of is at first but then it's just impossible um yeah. and it's it is really this like a two-minute shot it's pretty great it's it's a it's a really good really brutal and good shot to end on um lasts quite a while there's no quick cuts there's no no edits to anything else um barbara hershey she does her best she she runs the entire time yeah. and even even as she's fading away into the distance of the frame mm-hmm. that we, can, we can't see her anymore she's still running and she's still running yeah it's great it's it's um, it's a really good clo- it's a really good ending yeah and she has a, a like a very bright like orange dress like an orange yellowish dress so yeah. she really stands out amongst yeah. you know just like the, the landscape rushing by yeah, no, I, I, this movie's fucking great. Um, I mean, like, yeah, people like what they like and all that shit, but like, just to dismiss this movie out of hand is, is ridiculous. Yeah. And I actually, I don't think we said this earlier, but, um, it has a 52% tomato meter and a 33% audience score, which is fucking Jesus. wild to me. Jesus Christ. Like, what the, f- like, is everybody have a fucking brain disease that they think this movie's bad? Uh, yeah i don't i don't know like i don't know maybe maybe like that's a large contingent of like again departed fanboys <laughs> right like, like yeah we're gonna watch all marty's movies blah 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 departed and goodfellas what else is there boxcar right. bertha like maybe yeah i don't know right because it's like it's not a polished film um it, you that's can what makes it good that's what makes it right that's what makes it i think a masterpiece um it's you can say that some parts of it are hokey right like but again this is just this is the genre this is exploitation films um so i don't know what you want folks i mean you're just you're just being a historical folks sorry (laughs) yeah i mean the fucking departed is hokey too like you you, oh yeah you you accept these things going into movies like hokiness is fine cheesiness is fine as as long as the movie can sell it and this movie sells Mm -hmm. it this movie definitely sells it, but I think like if you are used to The Departed, or even if you're used to Taxi Driver, um, there's a certain level of polish in those films that we don't see here, yeah. and that's because of the budget, because of the exploitation genre, yada yada yada. Shooting 24 days, um, so you know the fact that this movie was banged out in under a month, like yeah, he's good, he's good, he's, he's good, good, folks, he's he's good, and <laughs> and it's I believe it. Um, we have some workers of note here. Yeah. Uh, to um, mention. So I wanted to highlight the score. Um, it's just kind of pretty simple country rock, mm-hmm. bluegrass type stuff. Um, I wouldn't call it rock. It ha- There's some like heavier guitar in some sections. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, um, fair. that's fair. But it's it's not overwhelming, um, which I thought so- it was like interesting. Soft rock, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, right. Yeah. Not like hard rock. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, so it was composed by Gib. I'm gonna I'm gonna just butcher this man's name. Uh, his first name is Gib. His last name is Gilbu. Gilbu. Gilbo. Gilbo. Gil Gilbo. Gilgo Gag. Gib Gilbo, um, and uh, and Thad Maxwell. They are actually both members of the uh, country rock bands Swamp Water and the Flying Burrito Brothers. Um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. I've actually heard of the Flying Burrito Brothers. I, I like them. I think they're fine. Sure. Uh, I've sure. never listened to Swamp Water. Um, they're kind of uh, more of a Cajun band because, mm-hmm. uh, as you can tell, uh, Gib Gilbo is Cajun. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's like from King of the Hill, Bill Joe Treve, his, his, his Cajun, like, effect like if he cousin character <laughs> yeah it's, I just, it's a great score and this is the, the this is the only score that they composed um for a film uh, yeah hmm. um the person that i found a uh, worker of note was uh robert modes uh the costume supervisor um credited 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 as bob modes and there's two uncredited <laughs> people I wanted to mention. Uh, we have Franklin D. Roosevelt, um, perhaps the most leftist president of this country ever had. Um, archive footage, uh, uncredited. Uncredited and, archive footage. And um, uh, Marty Scorsese himself, uh, uncredited as a brothel client. Yeah. The one that doesn't want to sleep alone. Yeah. Can you blame him, folks? No. Uh. No, I cannot. <laughs> but yeah, um great great performances fdr and marty good job mm-hmm. um so closing thoughts uh we have quite the earful for you here um for broke recommendation um so to give this one some context uh back when the irishman came out or was coming out um in an interview uh scorsese said something to the effect of like i don't like disney movies yeah he said they're not movies it, yeah he said <laughs> that was his more inflammatory yeah. statement. They, they're not movies um and he he's he's right he's, he's right. right okay he's this is right. this is the thing i have been saying this about these fucking movies yep. forever i've literally yep. said that to like my cousins like before i've yep. said these movies are not movies yep. and then and marty the fucking god vindicates yep. me <laughs> yep and you know what i'll cop to it i i do like some marvel movies sure as, as much yeah, as, as we do on them yeah i enjoy like I, i've seen a fair amount of them in theaters i i enjoy them it's it's fun, but like we've seen a fair amount of them together in theaters. <laughs> we saw Avengers opening night in we theaters, did. the yeah. first one, mm-hmm. and we saw um, Guardians of the Galaxy two like opening weekend. Yep, yep. Um, but like there, there is a qualitative distinction between what they are and and in movies like this and or, or movies like uh, even The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is not ridiculous or unreasonable to have that opinion it that that is a defensible perspective to have um and it's right and so our broker recommendation is every <laughs> every <laughs> dipshit on twitter who was like oh martin scorsese is wrong he he doesn't respect movies he and, and then like the the discourse kind of morphed into martin scorsese is like a problematic racist old white man right. who doesn't have like good depictions of women or stuff like when he literally created the World Cinema Foundation, elevating underprivileged minority filmmakers, and like when he made a movie like this is a second fucking movie, and it's like a more nuanced and sympathetic portrayal of, of sex work than I've seen in quite a long time. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it's just ignorant and historical to say like he he's some kind of like establishment monster for holding that position when he's like firing at fucking Disney. Right. Yeah. Um. So everyone who argued that stupid bullshit line, like, watch this movie. This movie alone proves you wrong. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, and not to mention his first film, Who's That Knocking at My Door? Um, It has, I think, um, a pretty nuanced portrayal of um, a a, a sexual assault survivor Mm -hmm. um, and um, kind of her relationship with, like, um, a a low-level Italian hood um played by harvey Keitel. um mm. it really worth checking out uh, his first film i think has like just some incredible editing um yeah. and then you know his fourth film alice doesn't live here anymore is um about you know like um a, a woman named alice a middle-aged woman with a child who um just bops around different uh small towns working as a waitress um, and who has an abusive husband she leaves and then falls in love with Chris Christopherson. Um, like, Martin Scorsese made that film, folks. Like, I don't know what yes. to tell you. Like, And and even from, like, a more... I'm not, I'm not saying that these people were thinking this, but, like, there there is the argument to be made. Like, kill your idols and, like, don't hold up heroes and be critical of everyone like, like, they, like that you value. And that's true, but, like, if you're going to do that, be smart about it. Don't be just right. Don't, don't, ha- don't have this knee jerk reaction because a, a brilliant filmmaker criticized your favorite action figure commercial. Right. Yeah. I mean, like if you come at Scorsese, you best not miss folks. Um, yes. And you fuckers all missed. Sorry. You missed by a country mile. <laughs> <laughs> so our woke recommendation is, uh, anyone interested in the history of the great depression, interested in labor history, um, a history of anarchism, as we said, you know, Ben Reitman, who wrote this book, was an anarchist, the hobo doctor, um, lover of uh, Emma Goldman. Um, you know, it's it's obviously, you know, a, a fictionalized portrayal of a fictionalized book. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's just there's cool leftist stuff in this film. And, um, yeah. you know, it could uh, could be um, uh, your study guide for uh, when we're in our next Great Depression, folks, which is coming up soon. <laughs> our, our, our imminent Great Depression. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and our bespoke recommendation, um, kind of similar to my broke recommendation. Um, again, this is all like based on Twitter. <laughs> discourse bullshit but we're not above that folks no we're not there's a there's a large content not large but there's a contingent of of like blue check people on twitter who are under the delusion that leftists are left leftist populism is inherently racist and and sexist um in that like when when leftists criticize the professional managerial class the pmc that they're they're being class reductionist and um that that certainly does exist but like for sure it's become a convenient fiction that a lot of twitter personality it's fucking movie bob Bob, i can't i can't i can't can't hold back (laughs) we're not pushing around it it's movie bob folks but there's others too oh yeah for sure um there's uh, kino bob uh there's uh (laughs) Video game, Bob. video game Bob. There's uh, Sasha Stone. She she kind of sucks, um, and she's a movie critic too. Um, she's like actively denying the Tara Reid bullet like stuff. Oh really? Um, she, she, yeah, she's a fucking monster. Uh, I'll, I'll give Movie Bob that one. He he's not on that train yet. Um, <laughs> yet 
operative anyway, word. Uh, but yet, <laughs> more to the point, kind of pe- people who think that all leftism is class reductionism um, are ignorant of the history of, of, of leftism. And even in a fictional movie like this, like, which is yes, it's a fiction, but like, two of the main character, one of the main characters is uh, is black, and one of the main characters is a woman sex worker. In the way that they their class struggle intersects with those aspects of their identity, it's inherent to their characters and inherent to the movie. Right, for sure. You know, and the reality is, uh, class struggle, class solidarity is impossible without racial solidarity, without gender solidarity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so. Uh, it's just you know it, again you're being ahistorical if you think otherwise so yeah and also it must be said uh swerfs which are sex worker exclusionary feminists uh fuck off yeah you're, you're wrong fuck off forever uh turfs as well just because if just because you're an acronym that's similar to swerf because <laughs> it rhymes uh, it rhymes <laughs> but yeah folks uh box car bertha it's a fucking banger it's um it's great i really i sincerely enjoyed this movie um just like no pretension i don't nothing's perfect but there's nothing i actively disliked about this movie this movie fucking slaps uh scorsese i don't think has made a bad film ever mm-hmm. um and uh fuck movie bob fuck movie bob and uh barbara hershey um dms are open <laughs> just gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> oh uh one thing we should say uh we should plug our friend cooper charity's podcast that we will both be on uh, and that will be uh, published today, actually. Same day this one will be yes, published. Yes, yes. We're, we're ahead of the curve here. We're ahead of our schedule. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very ahead of schedule, folks. It's weird for us. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be appearing on an episode of the Machinic Unconscious Happy Hour for a film review there, taking our talents to um, a comrade website. Uh, the at is unconsciousHH. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll tweet about it from, from the man account. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. Or I, I, at this point in time, I am looking forward to it. <laughs> at the point of time when you, the listener, are listening to this, I enjoyed doing so. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> um, but yeah, on that note, uh, we'll see you next time, and we'll see you over on Cooper's podcast. Yep. See you then, folks. Bye. <laughs>